Today on CNET Book Club, the great Jeff Vandermeer here in person talking about his new book, Dead Astronauts, which takes place in the extended Bourne universe. We first met Jeff talking about Bourne and about the Southern Reach trilogy of books. Today, we're going to talk about the most important topic in media right now, how awesome HBO's Watchmen is. And books. Well, th thanks for the support on Bourne, too. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You were the first. first. You, were, yeah, yeah. you were the pilot for this right. because yeah. we were on Which Twitter. I remember that. We yeah. were tweeting each other and we were both <laughs> reading uh, Bourne. Yeah. And, and I think Scott said, oh, we should do a, a book club, yeah. you know, yeah. about people in the office. I'm like, yeah, let's cool make that a podcast. Here, you know? yeah, yeah, every once in a while like we, we have the resources. Out. Who we have? Um, yeah, yeah. We just did Neil Stevenson pretty recently. Yeah, okay. uh, we had Walter Mo Walter Mosley last yeah. year, which was one of my you know oh, yeah, favorite favorite authors. Corey Doctorow right after Corey you. Corey Doctorow. Uh -huh. um, we had um, Tim Mon uh, talking about mm -hmm. Infinite Detail, which was great. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, was uh, I haven't met him, but he seemed pretty fascinating from his book. He was book great. And so. Like I just kind of started following him, and I had been seeing what he was doing, and and the book's great. It's he was a great conversation too. I, I just love like that we had this space to, to have people talk mm -hmm. around the book and into and other topics. Topics, and so it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, been the, the social really media fun. guy. Uh, his name jumps out of my head right now. Oh, we also had Jaron Lanier. Yeah, yeah, Jaron Lanier, which who's was like a VR pioneer. We did a, a video but he's with him. These, like anti-social media books now. Oh, yeah. Like ten <laughs> reasons to delete your social media profiles. Yeah, I, used to I read think that him. works for some authors. I don't think yeah. it worked for me, but yeah. I wrote a piece because oh, like, he's so deep into it, and now he's like, you know, it's sort of like right, the, the 360 yeah. or the 180. Yeah. That was the story I wrote over the summer, was I realized, like, for me, that disconnection is a fantasy. I mm. think that's exactly it. That, like, I think there's, there's, it's like a fitness aspiration. You know, there's, you, yeah. you it seems possible, um, and it's about as achievable as all those other things that we have on the list. Oh, that, I mean, you know, when I'm writing, I'm actually all the way offline, so it's just, oh, wow. for me, it's, it's just common. balance. Oh, I'm super fascinated by that, by what your process is for that. It's very primitive and takes away the, changes all the passwords on the router and disconnects Oh, ooh, that's good. <laughs> that yeah, way, because, right you know, there. even freedom is hilarious because now there's a feature where after you do it, there's like a minute or two minutes where you can undo it. Oh, and there's a lock feature, which if you don't push it, it's just kind of a voluntary thing. Sure. <laughs> like it, one day I realized, system. Oh, what happens if I... <laughs> Like, oh, I can get out of this anytime I want. What the? That's like screen know? time controls. Like you basically mm -hmm. yeah. can kind of override them at any time. Yeah, it's just so it's kind of it's kind of like a mental game almost. Yeah, but you need parental controls on your laptop. Yeah, your no, tablet. seriously. Yeah. yeah, but it only takes like a couple of days before I get rebalanced, and then sometimes oh, I'll good. just be on in the afternoon for like a couple hours. So you turn it off for a few days. And yeah, then, and then it, the balance is right back. And you can keep. So. Can you keep working while when it's back yes. on? Or do you? Well, because by the time I'm like heavily into it, I'm so focused on the thing, it doesn't really matter what the heck. It's like on, starting so. the marathon. Yeah. Ooh, like, yeah. Okay. Once you're at like mile 10, mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to keep and going. Like, All right, I'm going, <laughs> but I really need to know nothing what the else you're going to concentrate on because you don't have the energy for it. But I am excited to talk about Dead yeah. Astronauts Day because yeah. we had so much fun talking about Born, and that made me think all the way back to since. Uh, you're out here in New York, and you were just at one of my favorite bookstores, McNally Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I must have been two or three years ago, whenever it was, I was in McNally Jackson, mm -hmm. and they had a little slim paperback of <laughs> Annihilation, yeah. which had this fantastic cover. Yeah. And I picked it. I had never heard it. I, you know, I was not aware of it. So I picked it up. That's a cool cover. And I read the back. I was like, yep, I got to get this, because <laughs> it was so different and so interesting. Uh, and then, of course, I got the other two right away, yeah. and that was, uh, that, that was how I started uh, getting into these these universes you create yeah so it, it, it's great to have you come back 360 and uh uh come here after hanging out at mcnally jackson last night 
Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, that that is obviously the one that kind of kicked it into high gear in terms of uh, awareness of my work, uh, and uh, was kind of life changing in a lot of ways, especially because it it synced up so perfectly with. Uh, my thoughts about ecology and like what I do in my personal life and it's not like you know there were a lot of big disconnects where you're like promoting a book and you're doing nonfiction for that has nothing to do with who you are but you know there were times when you'd write something that was a little not really in your area of expertise just because the book was different from your life uh, but ever since Annihilation it's pretty much synced up <laughs> um, even though they have these nice cheery titles like Annihilation and Dead Astronauts <laughs> I mean I have no idea what people think my daily life is based on just the titles of these books but <laughs> I remember reading us uh, through Reach Trilogy in an area where I had no internet. It was like I was on a oh, cruise wow. ship yeah. going uh, yeah. like transatlantic <laughs> crossing. So it was perfect because I was just immersed in this world where I, yeah. I, I couldn't get out of it. But I, yeah, I think about too, I, I followed other writers who I guess fall into that. I don't even know if it, it's appropriate to classify kind of like the new weird or things like mm. that, like Kelly Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I was curious how you felt because now you are so much in the, in the mainstream mm-hmm. spotlight. Do you feel like this type of uh, writing that you've done, is, has the culture changed? And is it sort of now more about uh, accepting of this? Or do you feel things have shifted? It's just really interesting to me because uh, I started out in small press. Uh, I self-published yeah. my first book. And then um, a lot of my books that then were picked up by big commercial publishers were first published in small press. So for me, it's been this um, either people are getting used to me <laughs> over time or the or the landscape's changing at the same time but for me it's always been this kind of like slow <laughs> ascent that where you're never really sure if like it's the edge of a cliff <laughs> and so far so good but but uh, but yeah so um i think also it really helps in how you're positioned and you talk about that cover and uh, one problem i had before annihilation was find that crossover audience because mainstream readers will not really go to the genre section mm-hmm. Uh, and you know I'm too I'm too surreal for some genre readers. I'm too surreal for some mainstream. So I need to find that like you know middle group uh, that really likes like, like likes this kind of stuff. And I've been very happy with you know I, I last night was really kind of uh, poignant for me because I had so many people coming up and talking about how annihilation had affected their personal lives or their career choices or you know and born too actually there was a there was a biotech uh, person who was saying it really changed her perspective on animal life and some of her actual research which was like very reassuring <laughs> when you write a book like that you, you you're afraid that the scientists who know something about it uh may kind of ding you for it so yeah i feel like you have a great so. reputation as a almost a twitter naturalist uh <laughs> yes. people look to yeah. you for expertise yeah. <laughs> now uh and 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 which you certainly <laughs> I, and you know what i'm convinced you sound like you know what you're talking about on twitter uh, yeah. Especially with with a lot of the wildlife, I remember seeing you like move into your new house and, oh, right, and, and right. all the animals oh, yeah. in the backyard. Well, <laughs> there was one huh. thing I didn't photograph that I had to, that I had to just I just t- posted as just an account, which was I was looking at the neighbor's yard where there's like a tarp behind in the backyard, and on the tarp was a was a really cute dove, and I'm looking at the cute dove, and at the exact second I'm looking. An, uh, oh, a no. red-shouldered hawk oh, no. came out of the sky as a oh. fox also pounced. Oh, no. And the fox saw the hawk and did a 180 back very gracefully. <laughs> and the hawk saw the fox and did a very ungraceful slide across the tarp into the undergrowth. And the dove? <laughs> and the dove was just still sitting there. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, so that was I like, guess. you know, that, that was my cue that the new place we were living at was going to be a little different than the old place. And that was kind of what started the, all the stuff on Twitter because there's just so much wildlife right outside of our door. Yeah, it feels like an outpost. It's very comforting, though. Yeah, on, it's on right Twitter. in the city, though. It's right in the city. It's just really? a trough of a heavily wooded ravine surrounded by houses 10 oh. minutes from the capital. I'm just glad so. we got a good story about the dove because I was about to be very depressed. 
I know, I know you I, thought I, I, that was, I, I was, was like, oh, you thought I was going to do one of those tooth and claw, you know, oh. you have to just let nature this one take got its the course. top half, and the five got the, the legs, I saw everybody was happy. I saw your Halloween post, which was like terrifying. Oh, God. That, that was yes. the one I still remember. <laughs> okay, the, the, the okay. thing, the thing yes. crawling you gotta, you gotta okay. get a little context, towards so. you. Yes. You said <laughs> night shot, where you say something is approaching, and it looks like some sort of impossible uh, yeah, annihilation type on See, sometimes I think it's good to have your April Fool's joke on Halloween instead. So, So what I did to set this up is, you know, we have a trail cam that shows this little bridge over our dry creek mm-hmm. uh wooden bridge and so for the a couple weeks prior to that i would just show shots of like raccoons and possum crossing it at night and then i ordered this caterpillar costume like from <laughs> alice in wonderland like a full body costume and i set the trail cam up and i and i had to go around the side so it wouldn't see me and be activated and then i had to do it in one take so because you. it resets oh it was oh, me yeah, 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 it was oh yeah it was yeah, me i didn't realize it was but, a long game but here's the thing is i had to do it in one take not fall off the bridge couldn't yeah, see yeah. anything because the face was the the hole was here but i was on all fours yeah so it is really creepy because you, you can't really tell what it, it is it's an unworldly and in fact presence. my neighbor from across it's the ravine actually so emailed disturbing. me frantic saying what heck is going on in the ravine it's all happening it's, <laughs> it's all it's all becoming real it's like semi-melted it looks like those like 1930s halloween costumes but, that are like really unsettling but here's what's so funny about the internet is that within 10 minutes of posting that there was fan art <laughs> there was a ton of fan art of the entire thing T-shirts. Yeah, the, the creature murdered him, but we got some nice fan art out of it. Yeah. But, but yeah, after that, it's like anything else I post is probably, you know, little, little, little too mundane. I don't know. But. Well, now we can't trust anything. That's it. <laughs> well, that's, there's that too. Deep fake, that's, deep yeah. fake caterpillar that, That's actually true. Sometimes I'll post things now and they'll be like, Jeff, is this... Jeff, really? You know, yeah, exactly. So. Right. <laughs> well, and like the, the world is so weird now. That's where I feel like oh, your yeah, books, like yeah. Reading Southern Region back in like 20... Was it 2015 at that point? And then Born was... Um, felt like like it, it, you know weird, but not that weird for me. Dead yeah, astronauts, like to. as I'm diving in, is it's pretty weird, really yeah. out there. But it's interesting because yeah. it's getting such uh, acclaim and it's in the mm-hmm. mainstream. And I was curious, you that, that feels like a pretty successful move. Well, I mean, to be like quite honest, I think there's two things about it. I think that um, the annihilation fans are willing to follow me to some pretty strange places. Yeah. But then, you know, anytime I use a more kind of experimental or fractured structure. I make sure that it's tied to characterization and to the emotional mm-hmm. lives of the characters. It can't just be some metafictional joke or exercise. It has to be have a meaning. And in in Dead Astronauts, it really has a meaning in that it, it pulls together the non-human points of view and it, it gives them a life and an individuality that they wouldn't have in a traditional narrative. Um, uh, but, you know, the base story is still about these three rebels basically taking on this all-powerful corporation across all these timelines, which I think is a very powerful story for our times and something that that people can relate to very easily. That's a topic we don't talk about here at CBS uh, headquarters. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. It's not that kind of corporation. Or exactly that. When it's like heading to a TV series. There's now an AMC Right, yes, AMC is. How do you turn that into a show? But I guess everyone's, Well, I think really what they would probably do, and I've talked a little bit about this with them, is the main decision would be where the timeline starts because... Dead Astronauts is standalone and is both kind of like weirdly prequel and sequel all mm-hmm. wrapped up in one. Um, uh, so, you know, you could start with Born, or you could use the core of that, you know, those rebels fighting against the company as like the timeline you start with and you move up to Born. So yeah. I think there's some decisions depending on who the showrunner is. 
Um, and I'm certainly sure that the uh, the fox parts, which are just descriptions of all the terrible things humans have done to foxes, will probably not be a scene. Um, <laughs> it'll be like but, watching. Uh, it'll be yeah. one episode. But the joy yeah. there should be like that'll be the right. award-winning yeah. the standalone episode that people will talk but, about. But the joy of 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 having these different mediums is that or media is that that they do different things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's things you can do in a novel that I've done in this novel that I don't think you can do anywhere else outside of things like poetry mm-hmm. and and things like that. But then you can take the visual elements and you can you can make something new and interesting on the screen I think it does seem like an exciting time to do this as a series because mm. there have been so many uh, experimental weird like mm. I think like Twin Peaks the Return or Westworld mm-hmm. or like yeah. Watchmen yeah. Mm-hmm. that people are ready for yeah. things that throw them I'm fascinated by Watchmen like how it's oh Watchmen I think is absolutely one of the most brilliant it's, things yeah, I've ever seen and like um, tweeting about it as well yeah it's incredible yeah it, it feels like OA to me in a way yes. which um, I also in terms love of yeah. the, and there's some writers who are there are a couple Claire I can't remember her last name right now but yeah um, I know you're talking about who there's, a, there's a couple of writers I think and I think you can see that kind of fearlessness where they're willing to put you in a situation where it's a, a resting image or twist and you don't have to know what it means right away because mm-hmm. they're so good at their storytelling that it that you know, they'll give you the information when you need it. And I really appreciate that because it's really saying that they think the audience is really smart yeah. and that they're going to follow them. For episodes, I was amazed at how much the series has just rested on yeah. being comfortable with that and yeah. saying, um, you, you kind of, I feel like five episodes in, you start to begin to yeah. have things emerge. But yeah. it's that patience I think about with, like a, with, with your books. Like yeah. th- there's a different type of approach now where it, it's not all spelled out in the first. Well, episode. I mean, but and, and then again, though, I, I keep going back to, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I was formally experimental in my youth, but I, you know, like even with Born, you know, there's some weird stuff in there. But, you know, there's also this this story of this mm-hmm. basically mother and child that's at the heart of the thing. And without that, none of the rest of it works. So um, so I think that's 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 also what AMC is looking at is like those those core things. But I, I mentioned OA because I thought they did like startling things in there when I was writing Dead Astronauts, you know, there are yeah. certain creators in my mind, like, you know, if you want to be fearless, think of these people, and Britt Brit Marling is one of mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And if I'd seen Watchmen by that time, <laughs> that would have yeah, been another touchdown uh, on that side. So. It kills me that the OA is not continuing. I'm just... Because it got better and better, and the second season mm-hmm. to me made the first season better than it was when I first watched mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, because Watchmen, you know, subverted comic books, but then the show subverts what you think of as Watchmen, because it's exactly. not it's about kind of actually... that timeline and those characters... It almost yeah. has. It's breaking it, and reinventing it, but it's it still referencing on it, it. But it's not about it. No, but it's, it's still but it's not a break. And it's so brave, yeah. and it's. I mean, we still don't approach you know racial issues, especially in genre no. shows, yeah. the way that this show does. No, and it also integrates something really that I think is 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 fascinating from a craft point of view. For me, is really fascinating and useful, which is the realism juxtaposed with the mm-hmm. surrealism is mm-hmm. balanced so perfectly that the bizarre stuff fits perfectly with stuff that's really about the character relationships and very mundane. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to do. Yeah. And I think that's why it works too. So you can have uh, Jeremy Irons pulling uh, babies out of a lake in one scene and you can have, uh, uh, what's her face, uh, you know, having a, a scene mm-hmm. with her husband where, yeah. where it's very poignant in the very next and it works. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know, know how they Superheroes without superpowers. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's so. what what makes it work? I had this. Fe- I I didn't have that feeling watching a show since Twin Peaks: The Return because it mm. felt like it's one of those things where like you come expecting one thing and then mm-hmm. it shatters it, right. and then you're it hanging on. Yeah, yeah. You, you readjust yeah. and it's knitting this slow, yeah. uh, weird, terrifying story. I've started reading the yeah. the graphic novel again mm. on the on the side. I'm not sure, I want to just yet, <laughs> but it's kind of interesting to do. Yeah. it's 
they're just on. They refer to each other a, a lot Long more than I expected. So they really researched it. Then, I feel like saying. it's yeah. as much as it feels in some ways like a, a semi reboot. It's very yeah. much tied, but I love that it's elevating it. Yeah. In, in yeah. a lot of other ways. So, yeah. I guess it all depends. But that's become now like my yeah. can't take my eyes off of like reading the book while watching it. But I like those kinds of stories where the creators um, basically, you know, teach you how to read it, so to speak. And you have to enter their world and trust them. But then once you do, you get this amazing experience. And you get an experience that you wouldn't get otherwise. Um, and I think that's what I like the most is being kind of thrown out into the unknown. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, you're with someone you trust enough that they're going to, again, give you that emotional resonance. They're going to give you a kind of closure or something that you can hold on to as well. Do you um, – I know a lot of your books are written in in, in- – Maybe trilogies or in, gr- in clusters. <laughs> it doesn't really. It's so funny because Not it always, was. But, no, no. It's just yeah. that I that I actually railed against trilogies as like an artificial construct uh, before the annihilation stuff, which <laughs> was supposed to be a quartet, and then it, it's basically a collapsed quartet that became okay. three books. So, so I keep writing trilogies in a sense, yeah, but without that. you know. And of course, the Born books are not related; they're standalone, but there's still three books, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> well, does it come from like? Are you, do you feel like there's like something you're you're digging into that you find of find this? core content and you start feeling like it's sparking other things or I think it's really different for each yeah. series like the Ambergris series before Annihilation was really right. not to not, I'm not saying quality wise but just compared to how it's layering was like the wire like each book added another layer of society mm-hmm. to it so it needed three books to do that uh, and then the Annihilation books uh, you know they're formed by three different character points of view and you can read them as one long novel um, but they are very different in structure and style uh, so again, it was kind of like, in that case, it was character-based rather than society-based. And here it was just, there were these charged images. There was this strange bird image in Bourne that I couldn't get out of my head. And I knew there was a story behind it. There were the three dead astronauts mm-hmm. in Bourne. And I thought I was just going to let them resonate in Bourne and leave it be. But every I would wake up from these vivid dreams and I would write all this stuff down. And suddenly I knew who they were, which, you know, that's just information. You can't write a novel around that. But suddenly... There was this mission, and I knew that Dead Astronauts was metaphorical, and that meant that it opened up into all these other characters. Uh, so so it just, it just kind of happened. But it is, it is hilarious to me uh, that, it's like, you know, that it just happening. keeps happening. It just happening. keeps happening. We do the things that we <laughs> well, say and, we hate. In, in, in Bourne, the Dead <laughs> yeah. Astronauts. That's quote of the week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we learned to love them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now everything is a joke. Yeah. Uh, in 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 board the, the astronauts are you know it, it's almost a throwaway line it's not a right. big point no. but it's stick, as soon as you see this you know exactly what you're yes. talking about even yeah. if you read the book a couple of years ago yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's so interesting that there are these little points that that stick in your head and clearly stick in other people's yeah. heads because like the bird oh, yeah. uh, like the fox yeah. you 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 remember these things even if they weren't huge you know yeah. parts of the narrative and it's important to me that in dead astronauts that I not spoil that kind of mm-hmm. resonant effect in Born, So it's not like you get such a total explanation that it ruins the image mm-hmm. of Bourne. Um, but it is true that, you know, I came out of poetry. So, you know, in poetry you have symbolic and charged images all the time. So most mm-hmm. of the time the images in my books are not just flat and nerd on the page. They're supposed to have this, this kind of haunting power in some way. Um, in this case, they haunted me. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, at the same time, like, it amazes me that, that um, you and Anne both have... Mm created all of these you collect and edit these mm-hmm. incredible collections curating like books of fantasy books on time travel mm-hmm. books on i think like well before southern reach i realized i had one of your compilations that was the uh 
one of the Thackeray. Uh, oh, Thackeray T. Lamb said. Yeah, yeah. Lamb said that this fake disease guide probably. Fake disease and yeah, so the. Yeah, still um, in medical libraries, believe it or not. So. Is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Sometimes not in the humor section. Sometimes in the real uh, medical guide section. That yeah. and the Cabinet of Curiosities. And then I started like, pulling them out of my bookshelf, and I was like, Oh my god, that's mm-hmm. right! And like connected. Yeah. But uh, how how do you juggle both parts? Like, is that uh, you know, which? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, usually I need a break. Usually I need a break after a novel. I can't just go right into the next one. And um, this it, it's almost like the, the anthologies are, are solving a mathematical equation, which is mm-hmm. very different from the process with the, with the novel. So it's a great kind of break. But it's also, it's turned out to be great continuing education. Like, I'm pretty convinced without doing the weird anthology that Annihilation wouldn't have come out the way it did because there's all this mm-hmm. compressed research that kind of gets in the back of your subconscious. And... Big Book of Classic Fantasy, the new one, is, is the same thing. You know, the Fox sections of Dead Astronauts are informed by the Fox fairy tales that we oh, dug wow. up for mm-hmm. that. And sure. then uh, the forthcoming YA next year, which is actually Jonathan Lamb said, the grandson. Oh, it um, is? Yeah, so it's, it's funny you mentioned in? that. I thought you were actually doing that on, no, on no. purpose. No, <laughs> no. Perfect. <laughs> but, Subconsciously. Uh, but there's a grim fairy tale in there that I absolutely love because it's called, it's called Hans My Hedgehog, and it's about I a hedgehog that, that rides yeah. a rooster. And it, if you read his story... You know, if you break down what's happening, it's absolutely bad. You know, it's just, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, but because of that, I have an army of 7,000 giant hedgehogs on roosters in the YA uh, and, and other things like that. So there's like this direct correlation now between the anthologies and the, and the fiction. So. Uh, years ago, uh, when I was a, a playwright living in L.A., that we had a project adapting Brothers Grimm Fairy Tales. Oh, did you? Really? Wow. I adapted Hans My Hedgehog. Oh, you did? And, yeah, and no, we did. <laughs> That's amazing. So I have, I have to share that. So um, you were very and, and, and Scott, That's the one I take. reading right that now. That is so funny. That was instantly the one I gravitated to. It got that performed. Is so... <laughs> it is apparently in some collection that that guy did that was it may have been performed oh elsewhere. Oh my gosh! But yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, we actually dedicated the anthology to Hans My Hedgehog. I saw that. I was like, I, I immediately I saw Hans My Hedgehog, and I felt like a personal uh, connection to that. So it was, that is that so great. funny. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I mean the big the, the collection of science fiction that you put together was mm-hmm. was fascinating, and also like took the chance to curate in a lot of interesting directions, mm. which I feel like is like a great discovery. But I just yeah, I'm just kind of I've always been following which one is coming out next. Right. Um, and, and thinking about how that works in, in relation. Well, I mean, it helps in having um, uh, a partner on it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. if I am working on the end of a novel or something, you know, I would say in Big Book of Classic Fantasy and probably did more like 65% of it because I was finishing up Dead Astronauts. And uh, I would just irritate her by, by coming out and saying, have you considered this? She's like, <laughs> yes, I considered that three months ago. You were in your study or not study, but <laughs> I don't have a study um, in your office, you know, working on this thing. And you didn't even recognize when I put it in front of your face. Or um, I wanted a story from uh, Dali in the, the modern <laughs> book and I handed her something and she came back. She said, Jeff, you realize this is actually an essay about his private parts. This is not a short story. <laughs> and I had skimmed it so superficially. Sometimes. After that, I just kind of shut my mouth. You know, at that point, I was like, you know, give me stuff to read and, or tell me where to go and forage for stuff and I'll bring stuff back. But I'm going to stop offering opinions to you about what should go in this book. So. Wow. I want to say sometimes a tree is just a tree. <laughs> <laughs> or a yeah. lighthouse is just yeah. a lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. In, in this case, not so much. <laughs> They're all very particularly shaped items. Um, yeah. yeah, so the, uh, <laughs> I think about like studies and I know we were just talking about this before about like work habits. Like, we, we talk about this sometimes on the yeah. show, like uh, about the, how you get work done. Like I am terrible with this, mm. but you, you like, you have the system of disconnection. What <laughs> advice can you pass on to any of us who find that to be impossible yeah. to make that 
happen? Well, I think um, just basically uh, monitoring it. It's like uh, if you can't get off entirely, if you can just get off for an hour, mm -hmm. you know, if you can at least be distracting yourself with like a walk in the Central Park or whatever it is, you know, wherever you are, um, I think that, that that can help a lot. Um, the main thing, though, is you do have to find time. I mean, you know, when we have beginning writers, although I don't like to like, lay down the law because everyone's different, we try to like... Uh, get what they need, you know, tell them, figure out what they need and then give them advice based on each individual student. But in general, you know, I, I just tell them, you know, if, if you're going to be a novelist and you can't get undistracted mm -hmm. time, you know, I can't stop you from being on the internet, but just know that your competitors have an advantage in terms of the quality of what they're going to produce because it's just not possible to multitask with and and do a novel usually depending on what the novel is if you can kind of method act that into the, what you're writing you know if you're writing something about technology mm -hmm. or something i think that right. that that definitely you if can it's channel the form it. of twitter dms or the or the fragmentation you know mm -hmm. I, there's been times when i've um up the paranoia uh in my own psyche uh, for a character and then channeled that into the character so i think mm -hmm. you can you can method act almost anything into the fiction so so it would depend on the individual student but that's about it but you do have to treat it kind of like a job, right? You do. It's a job. It's not, you know. I know when I work on stuff, it's yeah. like, okay, X number of words this day, X number of words this day, yeah. or X number of time this day. You just yeah. boom, boom, boom. And for me, it's like, um, you know, because we are distracted, because we have a lot of things going on, mm -hmm. it's just if you can just think about what you're working on fiction-wise, at least have time mm -hmm. to think about what it is, even if you don't write anything except a few little fragments. You know, it's not mm -hmm. about guilting yourself about you didn't write this particular day, but it is guilting yourself about not living in the world of the novel that you're trying to create. Consistently, now, that's do you when you outline lose a lot, or or do you? I let go from scratch. This is very I hate mystical. They call it, they call it <laughs> pantsers, and I and, and I refuse. Oh, to I hate that the term. pantsers and the gardeners. Um, I, I, I I like uh, George R. R. Martin a lot, but he has a lot to answer for with that pantsers gardener <laughs> crap. Um, because it, you you shouldn't really form fit. I think you should look at the project mm -hmm. and see what it needs. So mm -hmm. it, I, I begin to feel like it sounds mystical, but it's like I let the book guide yes. me through the process. Which by which I mean, when I start a draft, I'm like I look at what I've got. I'm like, mm -hmm. does this need an outline? Do I need that structure for this? Do mm -hmm. I need to be basically improving scenes? Mm -hmm. Do I need to know the ending up front? And each book is different, you mm -hmm. know. So. Do you like enforce with like a, a lock your online access? Like you do you have enough self discipline to say like. I'm just keeping it disconnected, or is there like a lockout where no. like, I don't even That's know That's why to get I don't carry a line. phone. I mean, Anne maybe oh. carry a flip phone on this trip for emergencies. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I get too distracted, and, I, and also, you know, a lot of what a novelist does is observe stuff. So if you're on your phone while you're walking down the street, you're kind of losing material, yeah. especially in New York. <laughs> but um, but, but, uh, but Anne uh, does uh, change the, the password on yes. the router and everything, and... Uh, and uh, you know, if it reaches a certain point where she thinks I am not up to the job, she will just do it. That's <laughs> it. You're cut off. Get uh, writing. You know, that's what I need. You, you see, people in the tech field, I we need can that, tell you, actually, the hottest so. phones right now are flip phones. Oh, okay, they're actually yeah. very trendy again. Yeah, 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 except they're super connected flip phones. Well, yes, they're mega they're, phones. They're ones that you flip they're, open yeah. and become like a super iPhone. Yeah. Uh -huh. So there's not the really a razor phone. Oh, I can't back, even reach them. And it's got uh, a made sure I couldn't even reach the. She's former tech person, so she deals with all that. So. She was a software manager for 31 years. Oh, so. cool. But, uh, but yeah, so she, she deals with that. So I got my flip phone. Got and I'm in the taxi. Phone. I'm like, oh, I'll just browse the internet because I'm bored as uh -huh, crap for this uh -huh. 45 minutes. It's like, 
I can't. I can't. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. You have to stay disconnected. <laughs> I'm not writing right now, but I can't do anything else. I'll just keep typing hello. <laughs> you know, six, three, seven, right, seven, I just kept zero. Actually, I wrote you know hello. what's sad? And I just kept mes- checking my messages. And of course, there were no messages because yeah. Anne hadn't loaded any of my contacts uh, into the thing, so I wouldn't be and distracted. you don't know anyone's number because it's all in the contacts. <laughs> Except my, hers. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I texted her a lot. <laughs> That's my one time a year I'm disconnected is like this cruise that might go on oh, with yeah. my in-laws where it's the transatlantic oh, yeah. crossing. Yeah, yeah. They're really into doing this. And uh, the internet is like awful and not available. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the only time of year where for eight days, I am I feel like I'm really not online. Yeah. But I have terrible discipline yeah. every other. I've, I've yeah. basically fallen. That, yeah. But that sounds a little bit like it could be hellish because not only did you not have the internet, you were trapped. You're trapped. On, on, a, on a vehicle. It's like. A large vehicle, but still. With your extended family. Um, it feels, <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. With extended but. family. It feels like a Victorian uh, space station. Like it feels. <laughs> yeah. So that's what you did to survive. You were like, I'm going to imagine this is a Victorian that's space how I station. I'm going to cosplay this. Yes. As a <laughs> it, was, it was that total world, like the Nostromo, but like a ship. And you'd wander around, imagine you'd come out of cryo sleep, and you're like on the Atlantic. Yeah. And you're like paying people to like be different characters in the yeah. in the, the fiction that you've exactly. come up with. And I still feel like there, the needs to, like, <laughs> there needs to be an immersive right, theater right. Uh, cruise ship. And you're like, you go to like whoever the crafts person is, can you make some steampunk stuff yeah, for me and right. some retro futurist things? Because this ship looks too modern for what I am dealing with. Yeah, I'm ready for <laughs> I played bridge one day. That was as close as I got to deep role play. So you were like, um, you were in Agatha Christie yes, territory. I was. Oh. We were just one crime away. Just one crime Scott away. Went from over the big, side. Do they ever do that? Do they ever do like a, a murder mystery game they on must. these? They should, but on the Queen Mary too, they surprisingly don't. They keep it very straight laced with like mm, yeah. with. Um, Don't joke around about that. No, with like with like uh, talks and things, but I think they've got to do that. They've got right, to loosen really up do, and have because yeah. it's all set up to. It looks like the Titanic. It looks like you know your, your glorious, glorious magical. <laughs> yes, dining rooms. I think if that suggestion, if you happen? if you suggest that to them, they're welcome. For that. It's just like the Titanic, the except better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and plan like a black ops murder mystery party, like Seriously. an ARPG, whatever. That, you know. I think it's the perfect space because you got a captive yeah, audience. Sure. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of like that Star Wars get. Uh, Hotel, yeah, the one yeah. that's going to be the intergalactic cruiser. I was thinking that's, right. that's the Queen Mary. <laughs> they won't in be space. into it at first, but after the first week on the ship, yeah, yeah. they'll be like all right. into it. You, you yeah. got a your role playing. And then a real murder will work its way in. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. part of the thing, and that'll be the perfect crime. Yeah. I was role playing yeah. as a tuxedoed passenger. Yeah, um, that does remind me of thinking of like holiday picks as like a total tangent, but mm-hmm. asking you about we were going to discuss like our favorite books, but mm-hmm. but the the cruise ship made me think of immersive theaters, made me think of. One of my favorite websites, uh, No Persinium, which I just mm-hmm. feel like got me into the whole immersive theater scene. But they were recommending uh-huh. like interesting books about yeah. kind of like the weird of immersive. And I was thinking about uh, the books I read this year. And I just th- feel like that's been, been my other side obsession mm-hmm. is reading mm-hmm. books about uh, kind of like theater. And uh, mm-hmm. there was a book called uh, um, The Computers is Theater, which was like a classic mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And books on magic. But I was curious about, you know, anything that was like outside of the realm what's what's been interesting you and right well i mean for for a great portion of this year i was writing this book and then also uh judging the fiction uh part of the national book awards mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so that was you know that's 450 books you have to pay a lot of attention to and uh, you can't really talk about the stuff that doesn't make the long list so like the long list i totally recommend and, and that's online uh, but this other book came up uh, audrey shulman's the theory of bastards which is about the scientist studying bonobos hmm. And uh, in a situation at a zoo where it's in the near future and, and technology is beginning to wink out a bit. 
and uh, she also has this disease that's very hard to deal with. So there's all these complexities to the situation and the actual research with the animals. And uh, it's one of the most perfect novels I've ever read uh, in the way it layers it all in and the love story that's in there as well. I mean, it, it's really hard to layer all this in and have it just be flow so well. And no one I've recommended the book to has less than loved it. So... I keep recommending, we're giving that to friends mm -hmm. this holiday uh, because it's an oddly uplifting book about survival as well. Oh, wow. um, and uh, I think it won the Philip K. Dick Award. Uh, okay. And so another one that's really interesting is Alexander Humboldt. Uh, there's a graphic novel, and I can't remember uh, the artist, but if you just graphic novel Alexander Humboldt, the famous naturalist from the 1800s, it's an amazing illustrated version of all of his expeditions into South America and it's really timely because uh, he was the one who came up with the idea of nature uh, and the modern terminology we use for that. Uh, and uh, he kind of predicted a lot of the things, the predicaments we're in now, uh, because that stuff was going on at a, a smaller scale back then. Uh, but it's just a beautifully illustrated graphic novel and a perfect, perfect gift for someone who's like a, a, a nature lover, you know. So. Yeah, I've had a big graphic novel year, which I hadn't read mm. a lot of in many, oh, really? many, many yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I read the, the William Gibson one. I just got, mm -hmm. uh, oh, what is, his name jumps out of my head. He's a, he's a Japanese manga artist. Oh, yeah. And he's doing a two-volume set huh. of uh, Mountains of Madness, the Lovecraft oh, oh, gosh. story that about would... the expedition yes. to, yeah. to uh, 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 Antarctica. So the first volume is out yeah. now, and it's in that small sort yeah. of chapbook and style. So you've seen, is, are the giant penguins in it? We have not that's the challenge that for far. me because yeah. I yes. find giant penguins incredibly cute. So I want to see. Of course, yeah. I want to see how <laughs> they make those horrific. I think that's in, I think I'm at the end of volume one, and and I think that's in volume two. But they just tore up yeah. a good part of the expedition. Oh, okay, yeah. I finally uh, read Lovecraft oh. this year for the first mm. time. I, yeah. I was like, I've just got to tackle some of this. So I think I read like ten stories over mm. the summer, including Mountains of Madness, which is much more than a story. And I was like, okay, I'm done yeah. for now. I was like, but there's I, a lot of fan fiction of, in Mountain Madness because he name checks a lot oh, of yeah, authors yeah, for this yeah. period. So it's yeah. just like a weird experience if you're an anthologist because you're thrown out of the story. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting, but you're thrown out of the story at the same time because it's like, why like is he Clark Ashton Smith? Right, exactly. Why is Clark Ashton Smith like in everyone's here? In, well, now be through him, things like <laughs> The Yellow King have gotten a second life. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, right. And, and also what was that HBO show that, that was obliquely mentioned in yeah, uh, uh, True, True, True Detective. Detective. Yeah, the ah. first, first uh, season. Which, which, yeah. had a, which had a weird Yellow King subplot. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. not, not enough, though. I thought it was going to go Supernatural. But yeah, no, it but too. it didn't. I, I got disappointed by the end. I feel like it was yeah. building Listen, by it's like... Hard to, it's hard to nail it. Well, I love the, the, the interrogation mm -hmm. format. And when that fell away, I felt like a little bit of the tension went Yeah, the time away. jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, find, I find Lovecraft yeah. every ten years or so. I, I have to go in and like I started in high school, mm -hmm. and then maybe like in college, and then maybe like once in my twenty. And now recently, uh, just because it's having such a cultural moment in so many mm -hmm. things, it's a it's a strange. A couple of things I read recently, <laughs> or I'm reading. Uh, one that I'm I, I'm really into now, which I, I, I've been following her on Twitter, Janelle Shane, who's a hmm. AI researcher. Oh, okay. Um, she comes up with all these. Impossibly weird uh, generated lists of things. They're huh. like 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 pies mm -hmm. uh, fed with like material from Harry Potter or okay. like terrible names for breakfast cereals. Yeah. And she has this book called uh, "You Look Like a Thing and I Love You." <laughs> and um, I, I finally bought it, and it's it's basically like um, a, a book on the weirdness of AI and what it can mm -hmm. and can't do. Mm -hmm. But from her perspective, uh, creating things for it to do that it fails at. Okay. And it's yeah. where the AI comes so up with things that don't that's quite sound right. Yeah, yeah training yeah, yeah. knock-knock jokes, yeah, emergent yeah. <laughs> behavior. So it's got these great anecdotes mm -hmm. and these wonderful illustrations. And it's like, 
it's kind of like your one you want it to be like your first AI book, but also mm-hmm. I love it for its weirdness and for um, it's just it's bizarre humor and its sense of like where the where the limits are. So it's great. right, right. That sounds great, actually. Yeah, it's it's become a meme yeah. now where people write fake like New Yorker stories about like oh an AI wrote these pages of a script of a show, but they didn't really. It's right. Just a, it's, still... it's it's a put on because it's a like a New Yorker yeah. parody. But that's become yeah. such a thing now that yeah. people people do fake versions of bad AI lists. <laughs> what I love is that like AI has become so over mystified, and so she really helps. And I, I'm still reading it, but she breaks down a lot of terminology that gets mm-hmm. jargony, mm-hmm. Um, like Markov chains and things. Mm-hmm. But she also so it's good for that. But it also she 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 grounds it in terms of like look, it can't do everything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mostly about where it breaks, and so I think mm-hmm. that's like a refreshing take yeah. when it seems like now everybody's using it as a, a catch-all and then yeah. i've been really into um we both have like weird backgrounds in being into sleight of hand magic but like oh really <laughs> yeah i don't know why do you get to use that here uh, yes. holiday parties yes. okay <laughs> holiday parties and trips to vegas i've been, I've been occasionally <laughs> and, and and a couple stories here and there so now i've been into like re- i've been nerding out on magic theory for some really? reason so a uh, couple of books if you're into this world um jamie ian swiss is like a magic intellectual he <laughs> Has his book a magic Preser- intellectual? intellectual. Yes. That, that's my new job title. I'm changing. He has, his, he has a couple of books. One of them is Preserving Mystery. So it's all these essays he wrote for Genie Magazine. All these uh-huh. things that are a section of obituaries of of classic magicians. Huh. So it's like these long essays about magicians you've never heard of and and what they did. Other sections where he's doing hypercritical huh. analysis of like mentalism versus mental magic. Huh. So it's like these deep dives. And then there's a Spanish hmm. magician named Juan Tamariz who has this massive expensive book called The Magic Rainbow hmm. that's considered like the ultimate guide the to magic strange magic theory, memory control, attention, symbolism. Uh, that sounds right up my alley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, I'm telling you, it's, it's like 150 bucks. I, uh-huh. I, sorry. That's the best kind so of book to write. I'm sorry, Joanna. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joanna. I bought this $150 book. <laughs> I, I, I'm confessing it. Um, but yeah, no, I... I it, right it, here, right now, yeah. Right, so it's, yeah. uh, but it is fascinating. It's yeah. just like this great, a lot of that stuff dives into that immersive theater and other mm-hmm. weird ideas, mm-hmm. and it's about this sort of mental landscape, a book called Strong Magic by mm. Darwin Ortiz. They're all about like the state of the mind and the structure yeah. of the yeah. mind and where you where you get entrapped and where the you... psychology of the... And some yeah. of these work great. As, I mean, we talk about gifts and books, like December we come in and we do like, oh, let's talk about yeah. like, you know, books and give people. Now everyone just has a Kindle and they get like ebooks, right. which I like and use all the time. But there's something we both separately commented that when we got these, oh my gosh. these final yeah, copies, I mean, the, what a great job they did on, look at that. Did you, have you looked it at looks the so boards fantastic. inside the dust jacket? The Go, go right there, see. yeah. Oh, I did not. Yeah. I did not The story actually starts on the cover. I totally did not see that. I, I asked it, not so as great. a joke, but I never thought they'd do it. I said, hey, no. here's some text That's for the Oh, it's on the cool. back. Here's, I, even yeah. the but just I, the size is so, yeah. is no, so great and design. frankly yeah. subway friendly. Uh, and the colors are sort of just the printing Rodrigo on this. Rodrigo Corral uh, yeah, yeah. is an amazing it's designer. So, it's, it's MCD so, uh, does an amazing job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're also like holding a book that we haven't even talked about, but we both have. And I, I this is your book, so I... I Want to give a lot oh, of yes. love to this? Oh, yeah. This is a book I've never read all the way oh. through, but I treasure. It's supposed it's to be you dive into it. Man. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. it's like um, Wonder Book. You've, I have the first version, and you yeah. have the second version. I want to get the second. It's like basically, um, it's just this incredible illustrated, creative guide to writing. Yeah, you have so, so many. Still, the only fully illustrated guide, just you know, that you can pick up and learn everything about writing. Um, and I was very lucky because <laughs> Abrams Image. This never happens. They just handed me a bunch of money 
and said, bring it to us camera ready. <laughs> That's the best way. So I found a designer, uh -huh. and uh, there were some missteps. The first wow. designer was too avant-garde. He put the page numbers in different places on uh, every yeah, page yeah. and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, so this book couldn't have existed if it hadn't happened that way, because I had to work with the designer mm -hmm. through all these false starts, because we were doing things visually that had not been done before in the creative writing realm. So some things were disasters. We had to pull them out of the book, put something else in. You can't do that if you're working with a publisher's designer mm -hmm. in a more stratified process. And I was working with a guy, Jeremy Zerfoss, um, who was self-taught. So he didn't have that thing where I would say, do this impossible thing. And he would say, no, you can't do that. He would say, he would try. Right. <laughs> For better or worse, he would try. And his life was probably a living hell during that time. But, but, uh, but well, the results why, are pretty cool. Yeah, you mentioned like speaking of physical books, like this is a. I this mean, that's is, a great example. This is of the that classic. Yeah, that's like, a great you uh, need gift this book, in a, I think, for a creative. I say so, so myself. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is. And there's so, I mean, they're like maps, incredible charts. And you brought yeah. in like, you have a number of incredible contributors to mm -hmm. this. Like uh, Neil Gaiman and Eddie mm -hmm. yeah. for. Who I've right. known for years and, and Lauren uh, Bukes and like um, yeah. George R. Martin was it? George R. Martin. He I did a long yeah. interview with him over yeah. the phone. So now I'm going to pay for the Gardner's comments because <laughs> uh, he's been very kind. And wait for retribution. And I think that comments actually in the book. <laughs> did you reach out to like? I mean, was that something you just worked on at the same time? You reach out and say, you know, getting collaborations for this or like what? Yeah, I just reached out and I did a few reprint essays as well. And it was the idea was um, uh, oddly. I, I hate books that are too certain about themselves with regard to mm -hmm. creative writing. So I thought, let's destabilize my own book mm -hmm. by having my stuff, my point of view in the main section, and then have essays that maybe take an opposite point of view so that, you know, if a writer doesn't respond to what I'm saying about writing, maybe they respond to one of the other voices in the book. Yeah. Um, so they're actually disruption dragons in the margin, which is yeah. actually, yeah. I had other writers take the almost finished book and disagree with a portion of it. And mm -hmm. in this kind of strip along the side of the book, there's their, their dissent. They're dissenting opinion, so oh. <laughs> it it annotates itself. Well, it does. It's already <laughs> I've inoculated myself from criticism <laughs> by putting all points of view in it. <laughs> no, it had like a like a multi-dimensional element where you have yeah. these other little like yeah, I don't know if it's like Talmud. They're little like, yeah, they're yeah, little characters, little, little characters. Yeah, yeah. some yeah. commentary, <laughs> and uh, you're finding that little fish, like that little character around, and like it, it's yeah. So that's. It's like a hybrid yeah. wonder. It's a wonder book. So and, and it wouldn't work as an you know an electronic version in the same way at all. Even if you yeah. had a nice iPad yeah. version. I did yeah. buy the there was like a Kindle sale there on was the second a, edition. Oh, really? There was yeah. And I figured I was like splitting. I split the difference yeah. okay. just to have it. Yeah. But I immediately it's readable for the mm -hmm. content. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it's like you know you'd want. There's a, and there's one books. secret thing about both this version and mm -hmm. the other. Um, which is that I field tested things that went into prior uh, future novels. So like the revised edition actually has characters from the YA uh, enacting some of the the, the creative writing okay. stuff. Oh, really? Um, and there's a map in there for a shared world's uh, uh, shared writing uh, scenario that's actually taken from the YA, which was a way of like kind of weirdly field testing mm -hmm. the visuals mm -hmm. and stuff. So. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so yeah. now I have to have both versions side by side. I have to compare them. Sure. So, yeah. so now we've filled everybody's uh, holiday shopping list. I'll give you list. one. I'll send you one. <laughs> <laughs> you bought enough. I'm guilted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. No, that's funny. That's it's, the other thing awesome that's gotten me back into reading physical books versus e-books is frankly getting galleys and stuff. Because yeah. um, I'm on the subway yeah. with them. I'm like, all right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's a mental state, too. I find that, um, you know, uh, I am able to focus more. And I think oh, that yeah. it's... Uh, yeah. Even between Kindle and physical book, I, I've now realized I moved all digital. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And then I've been, now I kind of split the difference. Yeah. 
but I'm leaning more towards physical. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Now, do you use a Kindle at all or any kind of e-reading device? Uh, I used to for nonfiction, but mm-hmm. I think with all the like research for the book for these anthologies, which mm-hmm. requires looking at a lot of PDFs mm-hmm. and scanned documents, God, I yeah. stopped. Mm. And I do all physical books. And I have to be honest, on Dead Astronauts, um, there was there's no. It's weirdly uh, the ebook technology or or the the formatting has never really become sophisticated enough, mm-hmm. you know, to replicate what's in there so really the the physical version of dead astronauts is the probably the the best one mm-hmm. given it's got some experimental stuff in there to, to 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 really get everything that's going on and even for the audiobook i actually changed some of the text Ooh. some of the repetitions and stuff because there is a huge difference obviously sure between you know the fox yeah. reciting this kind of litany of things and did you read the audiobook um, no, no, okay. no, no. Uh, the same woman who did uh, uh, The Strange Bird did it. Okay. Because I thought she did an amazing job mm-hmm. on that. And, uh, and there's a lot of different voices to, oh, nice. to do in that. So. Yeah. Then still they took time to be still, to be thoughtful, to frolic, before returning to the eat, drink, forage world. The three played cards sometimes to take the edge off. They had an old battered deck, or played catch with a worn tennis ball. Or, as here, as now, standing outside the south entrance of the balcony cliffs, each aware of the slant of ravine and half-dead trees through which they could still see the company. For purest white did blaze. It's funny, you're not the first person to note that about Kindle Mm. formatting. Mm -hmm. And the theory is, I've heard from other people, and I agree with this, is, frankly, that whole ecosystem is owned by Amazon. Right. And they have such a lock on it and such right. a monopoly on no it, they've given up incentive. developing any yeah. real new features right. for right. that platform. Right. Uh, even the hardware has stagnated, except for the bigger, expensive oh, Oasis Kindle, yeah. which I treated myself to over the summer and, frankly, is so much better than the regular. Mm-hmm. But Do you think there's a rationale where, because they have so much self-published and up- other uploaded content, that keeping it one way makes it easier. I don't know what the but back so end many, would look I mean, like. Even but tables, the table of contents of a book doesn't, doesn't, doesn't. really work on a no. Kindle. No, no, no. Uh, no. So it's the simplest things. No. They just have given up investing anything in yeah. that platform because yeah. they know there's nowhere else to go. What are you yeah. going to get? A, a Barnes & Noble? Right. What, what do they even call their thing? What do they even have? It's like, like a, a, a Kobo reader? Barnes & Noble I mean? is like a, like a toy uh, store uh, now. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. basically... There's no, all, they have yeah. their own book reader, though. The Nook. And then, oh, no. but then, yeah. but then yeah. at a certain point, it's like, how much do you replicate a real book? Like, I remember yeah. back in the day uh, with my old publishing company, we actually did an ebook online that flipped pages, had coffee stains mm-hmm. and stuff on <laughs> yeah. it, and stupid stuff like that. But then I remember someone, some developer, showing me what he said was going to be the next ebook evolution. And it had videos playing in it and stuff. Yes. And, and ultimately, basically, what he had created was the internet. Yes, just in and out. So, like, had, oddly, the scope had gotten so large that no longer were you it really looking at any book. It's yeah. like the original so, CD-ROMs. It's right. like the, yeah, the, the <laughs> multimedia <laughs> early days of the vision. iPad, where yeah. everyone yeah. had, like, the Alice in yeah. Wonderland, and you turn yes. the page, yes. and yeah, then yeah. the little marionettes would, yeah. would do stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, it's tough. I find there's no good landing point. If, like, the, yeah. between the Kindle stuff mm-hmm. and, like, some of the nicer renderings yeah. on, like, color tablets, but then mm-hmm. you're carrying them around. Other than comic books, like, they yeah. don't, it also actual books seem to yeah. never preserve any of the formatting, yeah. And then it just doesn't feel as good. And I do think for certain books, it, it's it's you will see a difference in the quality of the reader reviews between okay. reading them on a Kindle and not. I mean, some books I think, yeah. you know, you read on a Kindle, there's really no difference than reading it in print. But I do think there are some books that suffer a bit 
It's not the reader's fault, it's the format's fault a bit. I still wish, and I know this is all in, inside the publishing landscape in mm. Amazon, but in, in the movie industry, they got to this like movies anywhere type of deal where mm. you know mm-hmm. you buy and then you, you populate yeah, across all your things. Mm. You know, it's like you should be able to, it's, my, it's always been my dream. You, you buy the physical book, mm-hmm. you get the code for the ebook, right. you can take it back and forth. Those, those two obviously never meet. It, it just, but it's, I, th- I think it's the economies of scale just because the publishing industry is so much smaller. Like, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. if you're doing that with other media, mm-hmm. it's usually a much larger viewership, right, than, than a readership. So yeah. maybe, maybe that's it. There was yeah. a way to do it. I, I, I pitched this, I mean, we've all pitched this at various times yeah. to people. Uh, you have a little scratch off here, and you get a and you redemption get a, code for the ebook. Yeah, yeah. Because then you'll sell more hardcovers that way, which is what everyone yeah. apparently wants to well, do. If you're going to do that, do scratch and sniff too. I, right. You know what? There we go. Throughout the book. Immersive. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is that you, you buy the I'm physical one, you get the one hours, which is the digital card, and that's all you're going to get. And the smell, well, and you, you get the right. Blu-ray. You pay extra not to get the scratch. That's what I mean. Yeah. Depends on what the book is. Well, you drive people. You drive people to the bookstores, which is the one thing that Amazon is going to do. Like that movie, The Lighthouse. Have you seen that movie, The Lighthouse? House, I still haven't seen it. Which, uh, I never I go to saw, movies anymore. We know that William Defoe and there's yeah. oh, yeah, slowly okay, going yeah, mad yeah. on a lighthouse, and we walked out of it. And I said, "Anne, what do you think of that?" And she said, "Well, men are disgusting." And uh, and I and she said, "What do you think of it?" I said, "Well, I was glad it was in black and white because if I had had to see all that in color, <laughs> it would have probably, you know, had a much um, different rating." <laughs> Really? Yeah. So, like, no, I, I'm, like, I, I, I've been ex- Well, I mean, at I've one point he beats it? a seagull to death against the side mm-hmm. of a rock, um, which in okay. black and white is uh, more it's tolerable. Seems yeah. like a very William but, Defoe thing to do, frankly. The William Defoe is, uh, you know, brilliant in it. So, sorry, that's like an aside. Well, I, got the, I, got the two, I got the two kids, and, and I never escaped. Do, uh, you know. I never escaped to. to, to yeah, it's not a kids movie. I would definitely say not a kids movie. Kids to go see the lighthouse. Yeah, I yeah. see those things later on. Before we run mm-hmm. out of time, I'm so fascinated by this concept that these these this almost eco horror it's not the right term, but that is a mm-hmm. term that people use for certain things. Right. Uh, this moment of of trepidation and almost dystopian chic mm-hmm. in a way, uh, where where we're arriving at these points in real life in mm-hmm. a point that is increasingly difficult to ignore. Uh, and and I I, I, must, I feel that at least part of your fantastic success and connection with the general audience is that these things are really starting to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, is is that something that uh, do you feel we're moving into a version of this world? Uh, do you feel you saw it before other people did? Is it just a good conflux of timing for you? Good for you, bad for humanity? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there is that weird kind of... Um feeling of, of not wanting to be part of the zeitgeist, so to speak. Um, but, you know, ever since my first novel, I've, with Venice Underground, I've was been dealing with these issues. Um, mm. In fact, it was really bizarre to me. I love William Gibson, but he tweeted last year something about, if only I had seen that this was coming, I would have done more about climate change in my fiction. It's like, where were you in the 70s, dude? It was, <laughs> you know, it's been happening for a while. Yeah. So, um, so mostly I just feel a responsibility to not live inside a bubble and try and get it right and think about the people who are really suffering from climate crisis right now. And uh, if they pick up the book, are they going to say, oh, this really seems like a utopia because then you've kind of failed. Um, at the same time that, you know, you have to have this very human response of finding some kind of hope. I mean, my daughter is in sustainability. She works for a company in the Netherlands that is doing an amazing job of, of like guiding people through this crisis. Um, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a novelist. She's actually a scientist. So when she tells me there's hope and this, these are the things we need to do and so on and so forth, you know, that's where I get 
some of that stuff that I put into the books um, because I, I don't think that it, it's it's uh, it does become like you said like uh, catastrophe chic or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and another thing I do is like on dead astronauts, twenty percent of the royalties are going to mm-hmm. environmental causes, and I put much of as much back as possible. Mm-hmm. I also try to promote people who are real leaders on this issue who are not novelists. Because I think sometimes we, we look to science fiction writers too much as authorities. Um, and actually, science fiction writers are very bad at predictiveness. I think they're better uh, when they get it right at emotional states and reactions to a situation. And then we're in this crisis. So any fiction that deals with climate crisis is climate fiction. It doesn't have to have a speculative element because we're in the middle of it. So there's a lot of good work that's going to be coming out that, that has no speculative element at all that deals with the, the psychological cost of dealing with this and, and the situation we're in. So, Are you depressed now, Scott? Yeah, do you want to go out, of, you want to go out on a different note? <laughs> no. I mean, more, well, um, are you... Uh, I don't have any magic tricks, I'm sorry. They're all and, in the and, books. And with a, <laughs> yeah, and with an amazing magic trick. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that my... my I, I, this might be too redundant, but I, I'm curious... You mentioned about reactions to the moment. Do you? And I know a lot of times uh, writers will talk about, you know, like, science fiction is a, a reaction to the present. It's not about the future. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you even think about those things as much, or do you kind of go with whatever is inspiring you uh, from whatever source? Or are you are you always trying to cast forward and try to be beyond the moment, or is it just about? I'm never trying to be predictive. I'm just trying to inhabit yeah. points of view, so to speak. And, and I think it's really important what points of view you try to inhabit. And so in Dead Astronauts and other books, I'm trying to inhabit points of view I haven't seen inhabited in fiction, whether they're human or non-human. Yeah. And that's what kind of determines it. And uh, and I just try to get uh, the perspective correct. And uh, I, I, I put things into my subconscious, and they come out years later. That's kind of what happens. I, I tell myself consciously, I want to write about this or that. And then I think about it a long time, and then suddenly it just, like muscle memory, it just comes out. Uh, and that's really the way it should be, I think. So. I don't feel as downbeat as I thought I would be. I feel upbeat. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think all these novels have, have um, are about resistance, and especially yeah. Dead Astronauts. And they're about not giving in to what you're talking about. Um, and, uh, and recognizing that even if you're not completely successful, in the attempt, something happens that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So. Yeah, I was very emotionally moved by Bourne. Like, I felt like yeah. it was like a very, uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it's a much more, like, there's a lot of dread in the Southern Reach. Um, Bourne, even though it's a, it's mm. a, and Dead Astronauts, like, these worlds do have a different emotional tone well, to them. I mean, most of my novels are, and people yeah. don't really remark about this because they're always on about the weird stuff. Um, yeah. They're, at base, they have some kind of love story at the heart of them. Yeah, almost all of them, and I think that's what um, that would is actually what kind of drives them. So. Is that more upbeat for you? That's more upbeat. For <laughs> <me>. That reminds <laughs> me. That reminds me of a post. Bring back to Watchmen. There was like there was some story about saying that I don't know if it was a tweet today. That, uh, Damon Lindelof is actually like the great romance writer of, of our period. Like, well, he's got a great writers' room there, though. I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. keep hearing about yeah. him, or and romance, it's like there's a ton of writers there. Umbrella, that are doing yeah, amazing stuff. So, right, but that's true. But but anyway, yeah, but yeah, it's it's yeah. There's some interesting like stuff in there. Leftovers and Watchmen. Are you caught up on Watchmen? I'm all. Caught I'm one up. behind. So the trap door and. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, but, that doesn't, you know. Okay. Spo- spoilers here, we closure. But um, yeah, no, that was every and part of end. that was amazing, and the end. And I thought the episode before that was brilliant. Yeah, and I thought the trebuchet the with the to. bodies was pretty yeah. brilliant. But, <laughs> but this I have thing. my, I have I my theories on. Yeah. This is what I was saying reading the, reading the book, and yeah. I don't want to get too yeah. 
nerd out on it, but there are certain things with the battle uh, with the giant squid in the sky with the squadron of airships. <laughs> yeah, in the episode that All you right. haven't seen yet. That's it. The hamburger, the right giant now. hamburger. Uh, there was. Uh, I can't believe Baby Yoda had a crossover. <laughs> There are thoughts I have reading the reading the graphic novel, and I think this is uh, the the new series elevated so much. Yeah. The graphic novel has moments like um, the Black Freighter mm-hmm. elements. Um, there there are lines in there that remind me of some of the stuff that's going on with Vite. Mm. And mm. then I forgot reading Watchmen. All of the um, and I need to the PDPedia mm-hmm. apparently stuff is amazing mm. that they're putting up uh, on the on the site. A lot of the yeah, writers. One of the are, writers sent me that. Sent me some some of that stuff. They're great yeah. Yeah. Uh, mini stories. In the spirit of in the in the graphic novel, every chapter ends with a, a document that's a story. That's a story, yeah. Those are great rereading because I, I remember reading. Um, there were some comments about like it was like um, um, Al Moore talking about uh, Ku Klux Klan and like mm. there's stuff in the original. He has a whole thing talking about that and talking about the uh, the Ku Klux Klan and relating to um, the the dawn of superheroes mm-hmm. and even the stuff about the um, the New Frontiersmen versus the uh, mm-hmm. Nova Express, mm-hmm. which are the super conservative and super liberal yeah. papers. There are things I didn't remember that, that now resonate totally differently. Yeah, yeah. That I feel like were the seeds yeah. of some of the stuff I'm seeing in the show that become really interesting. Well, well even early on, yeah. um, you know, you're watching it and you're seeing the Tulsa stuff. Yeah. And you suddenly realize, and there's just this wave of emotion that you're you're actually seeing what reparations would look like mm-hmm. on the screen. And I don't know that you've really seen that before, like yeah. the no, actual speculation of what that there. would look like. And um, and they were bold to go there because it could have really backfired. It's and not been really it's not bad, the kind of thing a safe you know TV no, network no, would do. Not at all. No. Uh, you'd be surprised so. they're able. To, can't you put some capes on some guys and tights right, and right. have them run around? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alan Moore recent, I think it was Alan Moore just had a thing, I had a comment that somebody quoted on Twitter yeah. about the the about, basically about how he was over superheroes right, right. and and comparing the costumes to Birth of a Nation and the robes and the masks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, well, that's and what I mean. showing that how yeah. that yeah. carries forward. But that's in Watchmen. Yeah. that's the thing. Is like so it's not yeah. that's not a new opinion. That's literally in. At the same time, Watchmen. there's no way Alan Moore could have written this show. No, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. So, so that's what it does radically too. So, it's kind of the it's kind of the perfect example of the stuff that we we, we see so many. It's also interesting in this time of like reboots and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. reinventions that we everyone wants. How this is that, and it's also not, but it's also the perfection of it. Like there's yes. something about like yes. Yes. It, you realize it's it's. I think it's less of a reboot than a continuation, but like I don't know, it just fascinates me, and it's so well researched, yeah. but it's independent. There's some movies and some series that I then go back and I watch them more or less frame by frame and deconstruct them to get technique out of and translate it into fiction. And I think Watchmen is going to be one of those. Because mm-hmm. um, it's pretty brilliant. Oh, this ended up being I didn't the, know we were going to talk yeah, all about yeah. Watchmen, but I don't Come mind. Next <laughs> week, we're going to talk to Jeff about The Mandalorian. <laughs> I saw you tweeting about which Watchmen. I, which I, 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 I can't subscribe to another thing. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, when they um, bundle these things, yes. even though it's a ridiculously small amount that we pay yes, for this entertainment. But it adds so. up. I, I got the two words about the, the Mandalorian for you, and that's Werner Herzog. And that's the only reason uh, okay, I, 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 made I, kids, <laughs> I made my kid. I, I made my son who's eight. Uh, I've trained him over the last year. Does he by voice playing Baby Yoda? Is that what happens? No, he's, no, a, he's a character. He's, <laughs> he's in character. the show as... as- well, he's as, as Werner Herzog, the uh, bounty fixer. Yeah, he's uh, someone. He's a crime boss or someone. He does Why the not? He's the trailer has his voice. Yeah. And I've trained my, my son just by showing him various Herzog <laughs> clips. Uh, and whenever something, like, he'll just break into it. He goes, like, the jungle. 
And, and he does like this little, like perfect, like eight-year-old Herzog. Uh, so that's my pitch. I'm waiting for Kid David Herzog. Lynch at the end of the Mandalorian. <laughs> okay. So do you the want David a Lynch Herzog spinoff series for the yes, Star Wars I universe? Yes, I want him to have his own, <laughs> have his own show because he's only been in two episodes so far. And that's I need so more. funny. Um, I think, yeah, it's really tough watching Mandalorian side by side with Watchmen. It's true. It does not measure I, up. I think like like Mandalorian is in more a of like, year, it like, been... like a little after dinner mint. It is. Yeah. Like it's basically like, oh, that was It feels fun. low budget. Yeah, yeah it's, it's basically cartoon. In fact, there's another series I've tried to watch that I think Watchmen is mm-hmm. so blowing out of the water that I need to watch it, you know, a while from now. And I don't even know I should mention, but like his yeah. dark materials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been waiting to watch it. I can't even watch it. I watched the first episode. And yeah. I don't know why that right. is. But I it's feel like, the same way. Seems good. Good cast. I'm lots of good stuff. It's not a steampunk feel anymore. Now there's like yeah. a 1920s chic. And the other thing is because we just furnished our house. We went. We went, noticed a lot of West Elm furniture in the show, which is very <laughs> confusing <laughs> like, to us. My right? No, exactly. So it's kind of like weird. So it's really throwing me out of the show. That it's like West That's Elm terrible. in yeah. an alternate universe. I don't quite know what's going on, but anyway. Yeah, I'm I know to... a lot of people like it, so I feel like this is the most controversial it, thing it, I've it, said. It does but... not measure. You can't watch them side by side. Yeah, you got to give them some time. And of course, in Watchmen, much higher budget than go for restoration. A- absolutely, and Disney think, Plus. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And some Italian designers yes. maybe thrown in for <laughs> Disney Plus is for me about the the Imagineering story. I'm interested in that yeah. multi part, yeah. uh, not yeah. entirely censored, but yeah. but somewhat yeah. Disney told um, yeah. tale of their yeah. like theme park uh, design. And see, Bourne's going to be easy because there's no furniture. There will be no furniture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything's made of moss. It'll all and be repurposed. And, uh, <laughs> this is good. It's like books and our TV review. It's like our TV and book wrap up of the year and furniture. All right, I, I want to say a huge thank you to yeah. Jeff for coming in here. He was the guy who started our idea for doing a show, talking really to was. some of our favorite authors, uh, for him to have called in for the first show, and now to be here in person. It's uh, great. It's so fantastic. Well, well, thank and this you. This was really a lot great. of fun. <laughs> we, we, we try to keep it. We're super we excited to have fun. And, uh, and can and, you come and, back yeah. and join us for all the Watchmen recaps? Yeah. Uh, Actually, you know what? I would, totally, recaps, I would totally do that. <laughs> we should do that for like just phone calls. Seriously. I would do Right. I'm in. Dead every I'm week. in. Uh, I'm so, yeah. so dedicated to that show. That <laughs> I am too. No, it was literally your tweets that while I was watching it, I just thought I have to bring this up because I was like, yeah. I, I think the proper message uh, to end this on is very simply, HBO, call us. There you go. We got an yes. after show idea. Yeah. Right, right.